This is why we do it. This is why we do it. This is why we prep. This is why we research. This is why we fucking grind. We grind our teeth and we grind our coffee and we grind our stats and our big facts all summer long for nights like last night. Okay. Let me set the stage. E-Town get down. Y'all know my biggest money league. The only league I really care about. I set all my lineups. The only players I actually care about doing well are on my E-Town get down team. Everything else, all the petty shit falls to the wayside. I'm one and one. Had a big dub in week one. Got my ass absolutely licked clean by Mr. Snacks in week two. I know he would rather rather physically do that to me, but he did it by way of fantasy. Was his fantasy. He licked my ass clean, all right? Gave me the stomp down, so I'm sitting there at one and one. Like, I can't let Animal jump me. I can't let Snacks jump me in the records. I'm sitting there in a tough matchup versus Larry Lunch. I'm already down Dalvin Cook, okay? So I'm sitting I'm sitting with backups here. I got Joe Mixon. I got Antonio Gibson, who we're finding out are the same fucking player, who are just getting useless touches nonstop. Those are my running backs. I got to throw Marvin Jones. I got to throw Chase Claypool into the flex spots. I'm not feeling good. Last minute, last minute, I swapped out Arizona's defense for Baltimore's defense. Arizona throws up 16. Baltimore throws up three. I'm about to shit myself. I'm, I'm, I'm about to lose this game because of this last second swap that I did. The most fantasy football shit you could have possibly done. I'm going to lose a game because of a defensive swap I did three minutes before kickoff. The week plays itself out. Larry Lunch eating me for lunch most of the day. He's got Alvin Kamara. He's got Kyler Murray. He's got a lot. He's got Mike Williams, of course. Going the fuck half. Lo and behold, we start to make a little a little bit of a comeback. All right? We're grinding. We're scraping. Sunday night football. We're going into Sunday night football. I'm down eight. I have Jimmy G. He has Debo Samuel. I have zero confidence I'm going to win this game. Sleeper put me at a, uh, I believe it was a 12% win percentage opportunity going into the game. The game comes and goes. Jimmy G is getting vultured on the goal line. Jimmy G's throwing interceptions. Jimmy G can't complete a fucking pass to save his life. Debo Samuel gets hurt. And I'm thinking, I'm down five points. I don't even have confidence with Debo Samuel out that Jimmy G is going to close this gap for me. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a fucking earthquake at this point for Jimmy G. That offense was brutal to watch. I will never put that man in my lineup again. Debo Samuel comes back in. I say, I have zero fucking chance right now. We're going into the last drive of the game. All right, Not the Aaron Rodgers-led drive, but the last Niners drive of the game. I am down five points. He has Debo Samuel. I have Jimmy G. I'm thinking to myself, I need a perfectly executed, non-Debo-involved drive to come down i didn't even really check the score to see if mathematically it, it it could happen like what would happen if debo caught a ball and then we still i don't know what's going on all i know is i just need a perfectly executed drive on the last drive of the game for me to have a chance to win this game but those are the moments those drives sunday night football when nothing else is left but besides you versus lunch mono e mono jimmy g versus debo samuel down the fucking field we march. George Kittle puts my team on his fucking bike. And lo and behold, Kyle Juszczyk catches that dump off, goes full 
grown man, big dogs got to eat shit. I might, I'm, I'm buying a Kyle Juszczyk jersey by the end of this video. It's already been decided. He rumbles, he tumbles in for the 12-yard motherfucking score. Jimmy G, six points on that final drive. Walk-off touchdown. We win by two. We win by two, and we are now 2-1 and one in the motherfucking E-Town get-down. That shit, everything we did for the last four or five months, worth it for that fucking moment right there. For that moment right there, that is why we play the damn game. Woo! We play the damn game we did. Week three was a fun one. Week three actually was a shit one. I fucking hated every bit of week three up until the last two minutes of last night's game. But we're here to recap the entirety of it. We're here to talk about all the injuries. We're here to talk about the game-by-game breakdowns, the 10 biggest takeaways I have from this week. Stocks up, stonks down, all of that shit. And again, for those of y'all that are new to the channel, make sure you subscribe. I won't waste your time with story time most weeks. Yeah, most weeks I probably will. And if any legends out there want to timestamp this, that would be greatly, 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 greatly appreciated as y'all have taken over and just absolutely put this, the channel on your fucking bike for me. would love that. And I love you. All right, let's start with the injuries. The biggest injury news, of course, this week. I will get to q and I will get to the live chat afterwards. Make sure, again, if you are subscribed to the channel, you have notifications on to let you know when I go live because I go live every Monday. I go live every Thursday. Tomorrow, I will drop my actual in-depth waiver wire videos for y'all, running backs and wide receivers. Christian McCaffrey goes down. He's got the hamstring pull heard around the world. And Christian McCaffrey is not being placed on IR. So the way they're basically paraphrasing this is it's not that serious. He's going to he's gonna miss a couple weeks, maybe a few weeks, but they're not going to put him in the IR, which would put him out for a guaranteed three weeks. So it seems like he's almost definitely going to be out for two weeks. And then he will um, – it'll be like a game-time decision maybe week three, and maybe he'll play a limited role when he comes back. And when I say week three, I mean week six, okay? So that leaves Chuba Hubbard, their rookie pick this year, coming out of Oklahoma State. Um, big season a couple of years ago in college. Was supposed to be this like elite playmaker, speed guy coming out. Uh, he ended up coming in undersized at like 205. He ended up being pretty slow per the 40. I don't think he's that good of a prospect, but when you just look at the opportunity that he got right off the rip, we see uh, a tweet from Mr. At Dwayne McFarland. Chuba Hubbard data after Christian McCaffrey left the game. 73% of the snaps, 100% of the long down distance snaps, 66% of the short down distance snaps, 100% of the two-minute drills, uh, 72% routes per pass play, 22% target share. He's a volume. He's going to be a volume guy, okay? He's going to be a big volume guy. And again, we're going to go in-depth on waivers tomorrow when it comes to running backs and wide receivers and stuff. They get to play Dallas, Philly, and Minnesota. Uh, and those defenses have actually been a little bit stingy. We'll have to see what happens in tonight's game uh, for Dallas and Philly, actually. Both these teams to see what their running back numbers look like afterwards. But Chuba Hubbard's obviously the number one waiver wire pickup this week because Chuba's going to miss, or C-Mac's going to miss a couple, uh, couple weeks. You might be asking yourself, is Royce Freeman worth a pickup? I mean, I guess he's worth a pickup, but the problem is like C-Mac's going to be back in two to three weeks. Thus, um, I don't think he's going to, that's not enough time for him to carve out a really meaningful role here. Chuba Hubbard's going to see a lot of targets. Chuba Hubbard's going to catch a lot of passes. Chuba Hubbard's probably not going to have the explosive plays that Christian McCaffrey would typically have, but it might happen. Um, so I'm looking at Chuba Hubbard and he'll probably be ranked, I would say in the top 15-ish range for me when it comes to fantasy running backs. I don't, obviously, I didn't do my rankings yet for this week, for this upcoming week. 
but I would imagine he'll be somewhere between like RB 14 and 17 or 18, depending on injuries and, and matchups and things like that. So Drew Hubbard's a guy, do you break the fucking fab on him? Personally, I'm not going to do that. Um, he's a nice fill-in for the next two or three weeks for sure. He's not going to put your team over the top. He's not going to be like a championship winning piece for you. If you're a Christian McCaffrey owner and you did not have him on your team already, there's where I probably pay up a little bit more for it. There's where I probably throw like the 30, 40, 50% on it. Um, otherwise, I'm probably sticking in like the 20 to 35% range right there. If I don't get them, like hopefully at this point in the season, you know, your season's not fucking withering away because you don't have a, a mid RB2 or something like that. So Chuba, obviously, number one waiver wire ad because of C-Max injury. Bryce Freeman, you can get cute if you want. What else do we have in terms of injuries? If AJ Brown with the hamstring injury, hamstring strain, Likely going to be out week four. He left the game pretty early on, did not return. Um, there's really no one you could play in this passing offense besides Julio Jones. And now Derrick Henry is basically Christian McCaffrey, which is nice to see. So if you drafted D. Hen, you're, uh, you're getting to enjoy a little bit of that dark liquor, a little bit of that Hennessy. All right, because he's catching some passes. Julio, I don't know what the fuck's going on with Julio. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if the coaching staff don't like him. He's not playing that much for some reason. Not not playing much, but like he's coming off the field in situations where he shouldn't be. Regardless, A.J. Brown misses time. Julio Jones stocks up. Um, in tomorrow's waiver wire video, we'll talk a little bit about some of the Tennessee pass catchers, if they're worth jumping in on. But A.J. Brown probably going to miss a week. And then Seahawks, man, we got a couple tweaks going on here. We have Lockett with a knee. We have Metcalf and we have Carson. They all ended up leaving the game for a bit, but all ended up returning. Uh, so monitor the reports out of camp in Seattle. Monitor the practice reports. All of them definitely have a very real chance to practice all week and be fine and be good for week four. But a lot of moving parts there. So just keep an eye on the Seattle Seahawks. The New York Giants. We have Saquon returning from the injury. He looks fully healthy, ready to go. He left this game for a second, came right back in. So no need to worry about that. We have Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both, both pulling hamstrings. Okay. Um, both had hamstring strains and if they're real hamstring strains, you know, if they're true hamstring strains, like they were reported as they're probably both going to miss next week. Now, the interesting part about this offense is, I mean, Kenny G is just doing the absolute least right now. Had five targets on Sunday against a weak Falcon secondary against a team that he should have exploited as the number one went for just 64 yards. That is uh, matching his season high in yardage. He, he went for 64 in week one, 64 in week two. Right now, he's basically unstartable. I think with these two guys probably on the mend, you could you can throw him back in your lineup as a flex play. Saquon gets the biggest boost here, in my opinion, because we had talked about how Saquon's ceiling for targets has not been that high because you have a guy like Daniel Jones who likes to run the ball as a quarterback. And that hurts a running. Uh, that hurts a uh, a pass catching running back like Saquon. But now with these two guys hurt, Shepard, who's been a target magnet, and Slayton, who's a deep ball guy, uh, Saquon saw seven targets in this one, which was a twenty percent target share. That twenty percent target share was amongst the highest totals that he's had in an in individual game since Daniel Jones has taken under. Uh, taken over as a quarterback in New York. So I think Saquon's going to see a big uptick in targets. So it's a big, you know, it's a big dub for him there. If these guys miss time, they play the Saints, they play the Cowboys, and they play the Rams. So two of the next three games are very tough run defenses in, in the Saints and the Rams. Um, so Saquon's probably going to have to do it by way of air. Now, with these two injuries, right, Kenny G and Saquon obviously get a boost. You can get cute and grab Kadarius Tony if you want, their first-round pick. He did run the single most routes on the team in terms of passing routes. Problem is, he's just not very good. Um, so break – don't break the bank on Kadarius Tony. You know, if you want to um, 
you know, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers both played well against the Saints, slot receivers ish. Uh, maybe Kadarius Tony steps into that role, makes a couple big plays. He's an explosive playmaker. I just, I don't know. There's just something not clicking with Tony in this offense. Might just, might just get something done by way of volume, you know, four for 50 or something like that. Finds his way into the end zone. We got to be pretty desperate to go for Kadarius Tony. James White, his uh, bottom half of his body is done. This could be a career ender. I believe he broke slash dislocated his hip. Extremely painful, uh, extremely tough to come back from. He's obviously an older player, a veteran, so it's going to be even harder for him to come back from. Doubt we see him again this year. Snap counts with James White off the field yesterday. Brandon Bolden, 46%. Damian Harris, 31%. J.J. Taylor, 14%. I think we see some weird committee here, obviously replacing James White's role. Between Taylor, Brandon Bolden, I think this means that Ramondre Stevenson could end up being activated from the practice squad and seeing a little bit more passing work because he was a good pass catcher in the preseason. I'm not looking to pick up Brandon Bolden or J.J. Taylor. We have no idea what's going to happen between either of these guys. Uh, it's probably going to be some sort of committee behind Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris might get a little bit of an uh, increased role here. He's not really doing anything in the passing game, but this could change the tune of the coaching staff a little bit. Um I mean, Damian Harris is what we think he is at this point. He's in, you know, he's a game script dependent kind of RB two right now. It's going to going to continue to see a lot of volume, but if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's probably better off not in your um, in your lineups. But most of these, I don't think any other running back in the New England backfield is worth being in your lineups. Some other injuries we have: Juju Smith-Schuster with the ribs. We don't know the severity of the rib injury that he has, but he didn't return to the game. It could be like Terrell Henderson; he could miss a week, he could miss two weeks. Might just be a pain tolerance thing. Najee and uh, Najee Harris and, and Chase Claypool became just absolute target gods because Big Ben, some of the fucking Twitter clips I saw going around of Big Ben yesterday, um, it, it, it deserved some like circus background music behind it. The way he was just like running around and falling down on random throws and just throwing the ball into three defenders with absolutely no, it's, it's almost as if he thought he had like an invisibility cloak where those guys like couldn't touch it. It was it was something it was something out of like a horrible D three varsity prospects highlight tape. It was bad. Big Ben is bad. He could barely throw the ball eleven yards down the field. And that's what that like you got Deontay Johnson, and the reason he gets so many targets is because he's the best separator on the team. So Big Ben immediately goes there. Six yard routes. He's like, I gotta get the ball out immediately. He's the one who has the most separation. Now he says, oh, Najee Harris, he doesn't need to get separation because you can't guard him in the backfield. Let me just dump it off to him every single time. So Najee Harris goes off and fucks around for 19 targets, like 14 catches or some shit like that. There's a reason I'm telling you guys not to panic on a guy like Najee Harris because like one way or another, he's just getting all of the touches. You know, like how many touches? All of them. And Najee Harris is playing on 100% of downs. It's It's craziness. And the more of these pass catchers that get hurt in this in this Steelers offense the more targets we're going to see go towards Najee Harris I'd also like to say for as much as he's struggling on the ground yards per carry wise he also had like 30 to 40 rushing yards called back in like the first quarter of this game they continuously uh are they I mean they suffered like two more offensive line injuries in this game the Pittsburgh Steelers did they continuously play undisciplined on the line and, and are killing his rushing totals but good to see that he's obviously doing great in the pass catching sense of things. So Juju hurt Claypool obviously gets a big boost. We don't know what Deontay Johnson's status is. He might miss another week. If he's back, then you put Deontay Johnson and Claypool into your lineups. You put Najee Harris into it's crazy that you can put three guys semi-confidently into your lineups. 
um, with Big Ben leading this fucking offense. If uh, if Deontay Johnson misses another week, like Claypool and and Juju misses a week, like Claypool goes right into your lineup. I don't really want any. I don't want Ray Ray McLeod in my lineup. I don't want James Washington. That dude's fucking washed up. He's like 25 years old and he's washed up. You don't want him in your lineup. So it's Najee Harris, it's Claypool, Deontay Johnson, if he is there. KJ Hamler, uh, I want to say the last report I saw is that they actually, that he tore his ACL. Tim Patrick, once again, balls the fuck out, five for 98, somehow rostered in just 30, 38% of sleeper leagues still. Uh, they get Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas over the next three games. That AFC North is looking like a bunch of frauds out there, man. Like this is a defensive division that we used to be scared of. And besides Cleveland, you just don't need to be scared of them anymore. Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh just don't get it done on the defensive side of the ball as it stands right now. Um, so Tim Patrick is a priority flex ad for the third week in a row. Okay. Let us, uh, let's run down the games now as we typically do. Let's share the screen. How's everybody doing out there? How are we? Um, why did I just get the text message? What the hell? Yeah, I, the text message platform we use is all sorts of fucked up. I queue it up to go out at like at 2.30 when I go live and it just decides to send it out like six minutes later, 11 minutes later, 19 minutes later, 44 minutes later. How we doing? Make sure you hit the thumbs up button if you enjoy the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. All right, let's jump into uh, the first half of the games. We have, make sure uh, you let me know if you could see this clearly or not. We have Washington and we have Buffalo. So some interesting takeaways here. I don't think there's anything like that's crazy to take away from this game. Uh, Josh Allen balled the fuck out, obviously. All the pass catchers eight. This is what's going to happen. They're going to have these ceiling games where Buffalo runs away with it, and you're going to be able to start Beasley, Sanders, Diggs. Beasley, Sanders, Diggs. Beasley, Sanders, Diggs. All getting a ton of targets. Sanders was the guy, you know, um, Gabriel Davis is um, very droppable. I don't know why I, I tend to do this, and then I look at the chat, and it throws me off every time. I got to get into my motherfucking zone. Gabriel Davis is droppable. Um, it, guys, we've been playing the same tune in song the last two years. Do I start Beasley? Do I start Sanders? Do I start Diggs? You can start all of them every single week. You're going to be disappointed some weeks. Sanders is the number two for me behind Diggs, but Beasley is a very nice consolation prize. They're all wide receiver threes or better. Zach Moss versus Devin Singletary. Moss seems like he's taken over as the better running back. However, I would warn you to say that uh, most of Moss's production has come in garbage time over the last couple weeks which you know the bills kind of live in garbage time at this point all they do is just dominate teams so zach moss being a garbage time hero might just be what he is and it might just work for us um but he's playing a lot of time in the second half he's getting a lot of those like garbage time touches but that being said um both of them are kind of like desperate flex plays. This is a very 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 much just a committee back there. I would rather own Moss than Singletary going forward. I said Singletary was kind of a trade, you know, the the easiest trade away guy last week for obvious reasons. Um but now you're not going to be able to move him for anything. I don't want to say he's droppable, but like he's pretty much unusable. On the other side of the ball, Antonio Gibson, man, he had oh man, I almost lost my game because of this fucking Asshole move by him, too. Has that big breakaway 70-yard touchdown screenplay. Uh, 
And uh, the next drive, he drops an easy walk-in, like three or four-yard touchdown catch. Just hits his fingertips. He has wide open walk into the end zone, drops it, doesn't see another target for the rest of the game. Gibson and Joe Mixon are like Spider-Man memeing each other right now, man. They are just doing the absolute like least for your fantasy teams if they don't break away a big play. They are not getting goal line work because their offenses aren't good enough to dictate goal line work for them. They are losing passing down work to J.D. McKissick, and now for Mixon, it is Chris Evans, sometimes Samaji P. Ryan. They are losing two-minute drill work. Uh, Hayden Winks does a really, really good article, and I tweeted about this earlier today. Yeah, one of the best reads every morning. If you follow Hayden Winks, he is a content creator for Underdog Fantasy. He does this uh, worksheet every Monday morning. Week three situational RB touches is live. And what he does, one of the interesting parts about it is he like he breaks down running back touches and usage, but not just straight up like snaps inside the five, shit like that. He looks at things like what he calls uh, dream opportunities. Okay, so you have inside the five means, you know, touches inside the five passing situation targets, targets during the two minute drills, targets on third and fourth and long or targets while clearly trailing. And, you know, he does a combination of like goal line touches and playing on passing downs for key fantasy production. And that's what he calls the dream opportunities. And he puts his sheet together and this is completely free. Just follow Hayden and he tweets it out every Monday morning. Uh, his Twitter is at Hayden Winks. And uh, dream opportunities, again, goal line and like key passing situations. So you have Mixon, dream opportunity rate, 3%. Not good. Not fucking good. Antonio Gibson, dream opportunity rate, 2%. Also not fucking good. So they're not getting value valuable touches. They're getting all these empty touches where... If they don't break away a long run, a long play like Antonio Gibson did yesterday, more often than not, we're getting 18 touches for like 75, 90 empty yards. That's great to continue just saying, we love the volume, we love the volume, we love the volume. But like, when the fuck is this volume going to turn into valuable volume? So I am proposing that Gibson and Joe Mixon are not bad trade high candidates, if you can. And by trade high, I just mean selling them on the volume alone. I am thinking about actually offering up because who I just played in the E-Town Get Down League, Mr. Larry Lunch, um, he's got a squad of a lot of good wide receivers. He's got a squad of um, Mike Williams is like his wider. He's got like Debo, Mike Williams is his flex plays. I can't remember. Justin Jefferson, like a lot of good players. And I'm thinking about trying to move like Joe Mixon for Mike Williams and uh, and Damian Harris, or if I need to throw in someone on my in my wide receiver group, like who the fuck is even on my team at this point, like Marvin Jones or something for Mike Williams and Damian Harris and Joe Mixon. You know what I mean? So I am am nervous about both those backs because there's just so many empty calories going around in their diets right now. So that's all I'll say about that. Let's move down the game lists. We have the Bears versus the Browns. This was literally just like some DJ can make a song just playing sack, 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 back and forth on this shit because this was... um. 
This was the most disgusting fucking game I've ever seen. Justin Fields goes six for 20, 68 passing yards, runs the ball three times for 12 yards. I'm going to throw this out the fucking window because there was, there was nothing Justin Fields can do with the amount of times that, that Miles Garrett and this Cleveland defensive line got in the backfield. I'm willing to throw this out the window. I hope Matt Nagy is not a fucking moron going forward. Let's this kid roll out more. Let's this kid be mobile more. But it was an awful, awful showing, obviously. If Andy Dalton's back next week, I honestly expect him to start. I don't expect them to just randomly start Nick Foles over Justin Fields. I don't think I think that'd be the most fucking moronic thing I've ever heard of. Um so yeah, just tough, tough day for Justin Fields for anyone who started him. Allen Robinson, it's looking ugly out there. Uh David Montgomery's doing his best fucking Joe Mixon and Antonio Gibson impression. Tough pill to swallow out there in Chicago. Uh Allen Robinson is is dangerously close to non-startable territory he is a shitty flex option at this point david montgomery he's still an rb2 um there will be better days ahead for chicago but this was not a good showing here cleveland side of the ball the biggest storyline of course is odell beckham was bike nine targets five catches 77 yards looked good played on i believe 68 percent of the snaps i have the numbers here somewhere give me un second First game off of the ACL tear yesterday, Jarvis Landry's knee, he was out. Uh, 68% of the snaps ran a route on 85% of Baker's dropbacks, 45 snaps out wide, seven in the slot, nine targets, was a team high 29% target share. I think that'll be the case. Um, Had you told me that every, uh, had you told me that Jarvis Landry was going to be hurt, obviously Odell Beckham kind of takes over as the alpha there. So, you know, I think uh, Odell Beckham belongs in your lineups right now. Uh, at least while Jarvis Landry is out, and then we'll see. We'll take it from there going forward. Next up, we got the Ravens and the Lions, man. I don't know what's going on with the Ravens, but every running back in this group is unstartable right now. Unfortunately, I don't know why they keep giving touches to Latavius Murray over Tyson Williams, um, but Marquise Brown, man. I think Marquise Brown is a buy coming off of this game. He is he is just so heavily involved in this offense and seeing so many valuable targets. He should have gone 5 for five for 180 and two touchdowns like Marquise Brown should Marquise Brown legitimately should probably be let me look at the stats uh amongst fantasy rankings let's see Marquise Brown oh wow so Marquise Brown despite all those drops yesterday is a top 12 fantasy wide receiver he is the number 12 fantasy wide receiver in half PPR if you were to add an extra 120 and two, two 120 and two to his 43.5 point total, you are looking at 44, 56, 60, 68. I think I did that right. You're looking at the number two wide receiver in fantasy right now. Marquise Brown would be a top three fantasy wide receiver if he had caught those two balls yesterday. Uncharacteristic of him. I don't think he's a big drop guy. Obviously, Rashad Bateman is coming back. Um, obviously Rashad Bateman is coming back who I think is going to do wonders for this offense, but Marquise Brown, man, he's an every week starter for me despite the fucking, uh, despite the drops yesterday. So I'm not worried about Marquise Brown on the other side of the thing. This is just a carousel at receiver for the Detroit lions. I'm not suggesting you pick up anyone. Cleve Raymond, Quintus Cephas. It was his turn last week. I'm sure next week it'll be like fucking Kaderil Hodge. Doesn't matter. Don't pick up anyone in the receiving group for the Lions. DeAndre Swift is right there as a must start every week. All they did, they just he he had like nothing going the first half. 
and then they just dumped it off to him 45 times in a row. Um, and that seems to be just like what they're going to do every game. They have nothing to throw to on the outside, man. They have no wide receivers. Uh, the Ravens obviously sold out to just stop TJ Hawkinson. So it became a game where it was just dump it off underneath DeAndre Swift, let him do his thing. So obviously, you know, I don't need to tell you, but DeAndre Swift deserves to be in your lineup every week. The other, uh, like I said, the Ravens backfield is unstartable at this point. Let's look at the, uh, let's look at our titty or committee sheet. Titty or committee is the running back sheet that we have put together for. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply all of the backfields and the running back by committees. It is available to all discord members. If you are a big dog member, bdge.store forward slash community. Let me throw that shit up on the screezy. Bdge.store forward slash community for weekly rankings. You will get our weekly rankings. You will get our uh, titty or committee sheet, which breaks down goal line carries, red zone carries, snaps, routes, run targets, all that things between all of the running back committees uh in week three tyson williams did lead the backfield in snaps he had 50 percent of them davis murray saw 33 and Devontae freeman saw 14.2 percent of it but it is clearly a committee and sometimes the way the coochie crumbles man this uh this ravens run offense is just not that great right now and they're not giving them a lot of opportunities to score touchdowns on the ground outside of lamar jackson so we're steering clear of them in our lineups for now i'm going to hold on to tyson williams though i'm going to hold on one more game. We'll see what goes on there. We have the Colts and the Titans. Uh, this was just Lieutenant Dan just doing the least here. Carson Wentz. This was pretty obvious. You couldn't start anybody in this game in uh, a Colts uniform. Good to see Michael Pittman, though, bounce back with another 12 targets here. So he's looking like the real deal. He's looking like the wide receiver one there. You're definitely holding on to him. I think he's a very, very fine flex play. Running back core, man. Quentin Nelson was the big injury here. Quentin Nelson suffered a high ankle sprain. So Quentin Nelson is going to miss a couple weeks. He's probably, he might be put on the IR. This was already a offensive line struggling mightily. They were, they've been awful compared to last year. Right now they rank uh, bottom 10 in run blocking, which was their bread and butter last year. And right now they rank 31st in pass blocking. So now they lose Quentin Nelson 
And I don't know if it's Carson Wentz. Like, is he the problem here? Is Car everywhere they go, no one wants to block for him? Is he is he is he like whispering different passages from the Bible in like his lineman's ear? And then they're like, fuck this guy. We'll just get God will protect you if he sees fit. And then they're just sacking the shit out of Wentz. Because this is ugly here, man. Naeem Hines is going to continue to see a lot of snaps. I believe he actually might have outsnapped um Jonathan Taylor yesterday, which is a fucking problem for people that took Jonathan Taylor in the first round. Let me see. Naeem Hines had 34 snaps, Jonathan Taylor at 29. And while this offense is in shambles, like you could say that's a game script dependent thing, and they were trailing most of the game. So yes, it was, but the Colts are 0-3. This is not a good team right now. Their defense is not playing well. Their offensive line stinks. So they might be trailing a lot. And we might just continue to see a ton of Naeem Hines there. So I don't know. Jonathan Taylor is not playing well right now. Um, he is an RB2, I guess, going forward. Hopefully this team can get healthy quick. But it's not looking good out there in Indy, Annapolis on the Titans side of the ball. Tannehill finally bounced back with three touchdowns. Played okay. 56 yards on the ground, though. Derrick Henry did his fucking thing. 113 on the ground, plus 31 through the air. Julio Jones, 3 for 47, only four targets. But again, the big news is A.J. Brown with the hamstring pull. You're starting Julio Jones, obviously, every single week. This other kid, Nick, Nick, I don't know why I said Nick, uh, Nick Westbrook. So Nick Westbrook, I was taking a look at his profile this morning. I don't know what the last part of his name is, but I don't pretend that I didn't see it. A kind. Uh, Nick Westbrook on the Titans. He would be the wide receiver, too, there. And he actually led the team uh, in targets, or at least tied for the team leading targets. Caught all four of his targets for 53 yards and the touchdown here. He is an underrated athletic player. So 6'3", 215. He's got some real size and 74th percentile weight-adjusted speed score. So he can move for his age or his size. Uh, undrafted in 2020, 24 years old. But if you look at the college metrics, pretty good. Uh, breakout age, 19 and a half, so 78th percentile. He had a yards per reception of 16 in college, which is 68th percentile. So he's a bigger play guy. Uh, he broke out at a young age, which is always indicative of success at the NFL level. So I think Nick Westbrook is an interesting add in deeper leagues, depending on the severity of A.J. Brown's hamstring pulley pull. And those are the takeaways from this game. Let us move forward. Chargers Chiefs, man. I can't say enough good shit about the chart. I was really high on uh, Herbert. I said this was probably going to be a 304 touchdown game from him, and I was spot the fuck on. This was like a stack I was going nuts about all summer. Herbert, Eckler, Allen, Mike Williams. You wanted every part of this offense. Brandon Staley is, without a doubt, the most exciting, funnest, um, most like well-positioned coach right now to succeed at this level. He, I would be... I mean, if you're a Chargers fan, bro, like it sucks that you got to compete with the Chiefs for for eternity. But this is about as fun of an offensive group and a gr uh, coaching staff as you could possibly have right now. Combination, like if you're a Chargers fan, you you got to be ecstatic right now. Eckler's playing lights out, RB one ball. Mike Williams, absolutely wide receiver one ball. This team is running uh, pass plays at a rate of like seventy percent week in and week out. There is no adjusting to it. This is just what it is. Mike Williams is going to continue to eat. He had nine targets in this one. That was his season low. Nine targets, seven catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns. Just unbelievable performance. Keenan Allen, eight for 50 and a touchdown. Just a PPR stud, 12 more targets. Uh, I just can't say enough good shit about this Chargers offense, man. They are so fun to watch. They are aggressive. They are calculated. They are pushing the ball downfield. They had a few unlucky turnovers, but like when, when shit clicks for the Chargers, man, 
no team in the NFL is going to be able to stop him. On the Chiefs' side of the ball, I am not worried about this team, okay? They had a bunch of turnovers. Eventually, the fumbles are going to fix themselves. Uh, Mahomes kept hitting guys in the hands, and they just kept having fucking fluky, butterfinger-type fumbles and turnovers and interceptions. So don't worry. They're going to start clicking again. I'm not worried about the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs have the same record as the Atlanta Falcons. I'm not saying that you haven't seen Matt Ryan and Patrick Mahomes in the in the same room at the same time, but I'm not not saying it. Okay. Clyde Blair, 17 carries, 100 yards, two catches, nine yards, and a touchdown. We're gonna have games like this from him when you're in the Chiefs' offense. Okay. Uh, he's still a low end RB two to me. He's still not catching passes. Uh, he's not getting a ton of goal line work. Ended up, you know, going 100 on the ground so you're going to get excited about that but still hard to trust in my humble ass opinion saints and the patriots on the Saints side of the ball everybody remains unstartable except for alvin kamara 28 touches in this one i believe that was a career high or 28 opportunities 24 carries was definitely a career high uh mac jones this entire group of rookie quarterbacks man this is something i tweeted out earlier today make sure you're following me if you're not Yesterday, the rookie quarterbacks combined for a 5.12 yard per attempt number, 55% completion rate, two passing, four quarterbacks started their games, two passing touchdowns between four of them, seven interceptions. They took 19 sacks total. Justin Fields took nine sacks in this game. Uh, They lost two fumbles and none of them scored more than 11.6 fantasy points. Mac Jones was that guy. 11.6 fantasy points. It took him 51 pass attempts to do so. Man, for as much hype as this rookie class got at the quarterback position in the summer, shit has fizzled out. They went from hots to just they were they went they got sunburnt. All right. They got they were like a pale Irish girl who came in a nice and curvy, some 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 C cups, beautiful little butt. And then you kept them out in the sun for too goddamn long. That's what happened to this entire quarterback rookie class. Mac Jones, one touchdown, three interceptions. Um, Kendrick Bourne had his big ga- a big day. Jacoby Myers, 14 targets, nine catches, 94 yards. Jacoby Myers was a guy that we were high on going into the summer. I think he's a flex play still. He continues to lead the team in targets. He continues to see the most targets here. But outside of him and Damian Harris as flex plays, nobody in this offense is even close to startable right now. It's an ugly showing all around for this game. Falcons, Giants, you know, we've talked already about the injuries there. Saquon Barkley being Bike, Daniel Jones, eh, I mean, he added 40 yards on the ground. This should have been a big game for him, but everybody is ugly in this fucking game, man. Calvin Ridley is looking a lot, a lot, lot closer to a low-end wide receiver one than where he was drafted. Kyle Pitts is doing what we, what I expected him to do, was just have bad games because he's a rookie tight end. Uh, Corderell Patterson, man, continues to ball, continues to ball. If he is available on your waiver wire, you pick him up. Seven more targets, six catches. He's now, I believe, had seven targets in three straight games and seven. Oh, no, he's had seven carries in three straight games and a ton of targets. Six catches, 82 yards. Continues to be a problem out of the backfield. And I believe he will continue to be um, a guy that, again, has wide receiver eligibility. So you're throwing a guy who gets seven carries a game plus seven targets a game in your wide receiver role. He is uh he's a pretty good fucking start. He's a pretty good start week in and week out. Mike Davis is barely startable at this point. RIP to anybody who drafted him. We have the Bengals, we have the Cardinals, we have the Jets games. Let's run through these quickly. 
The Bengals with T. Higgins out. Uh, Joe Burrow throws for three touchdowns. Ravens rookie wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who's eligible to come off IR, will begin practicing this week. He is someone that you need to uh, pick up and put on the IR if you can at this point. He will be a focal point of that offense when he comes. Mike, Joe Burrow, three touchdowns on just 18 attempts. This is the problem. This is what I was talking about with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon gets one target, catches it for four yards. They don't have goal line opportunity. Although they are putting up points and they are scoring points, none of them are coming within like normal scoring range. It's always Joe Burrow connecting with Jamar Chase. Every time they connect, it feels like fucking LSU, bro. It really feels like flashes of purple at LSU. Uh, all of the, I mean, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. So Jamar Chase continues to rack up points. Tyler Boyd, I would sell him if you could at this point. When T. Higgins is back, Tyler Boyd takes a backseat again and is kind of useless um, in fantasy. So Joe Mixon, again, 18 carries for 90 yards, but not getting goal line work, not catching passes. It seems like, I don't know why this fucking happens all the time. It seems like every time a backup running back goes in, like they're a worse pass catcher, but the quarterbacks just start to target them for no reason. It's like, it, I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but it happened with Chris Evans. It's happening with Samaji P. Ryan. It's just not happening with Joe Mixon. So again, he's a sell high candidate for me if you can. Uh, if you can't get a good price for him, though, I'd hold on to him. I'm not selling him low. On the flip side, we talked we talked a lot about this offense already. Najee Harris continues to ball. Chase Claypool needs to be in your lineup. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster got hurt. Ray McLeod is not a pickup for me. If Juju and Deontay misses time, Chase Claypool is an auto start. Deontay Johnson needs to be in your lineup if he is healthy as well. Cardinals, uh, man, this is this was kind of ugly. This is what we thought was going to happen, man. I talked about this in the Saturday Q&A stream. Someone asked me, how do I value Chase Edmonds going forward? And I was like, he's a low RB2 because he's not getting any goal line work. And this was such... Uh, Chase Edmonds got his one goal line carry for the fucking year. That's about his ratio for the year that he gets. He gets one goal line carry a year, and he doesn't convert it. He got it, got tripped up on the half-yard line. Next play, Kyler Murray took it in for a one-yard rolled out rushing touchdown. James Conner then proceeded to get the next two inside the 10 carries, turn both of them into touchdowns. If they are leading big, if they are big favorites, I you could, I guess, throw James Conner into your lineup. Not someone I feel confident about doing that with. The wide receiver group here, man, clearly DeAndre Hopkins was nursing whatever injury he came into the week with because he ended up with three catches for 21 yards. A.J. Green, five for 112. Christian Kirk, seven for 104. Uh, Rondell Moore, absolute fucking dud. After I went absolutely nuts last week. I knew I knew damn fucking well. I knew this was going to happen. Last week he was actually both weeks. He was fourth among these wide receivers in snaps in routes run. And and then I'm like he's going to blow up. And there was nothing that indicated he was going to get more play time. There was no reason. This is another another one of these short-sighted things that we do as fantasy players where we see the talent and we push it into opportunity that's not actually there for them. So the pecking order still remains. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore. Christian Kirk seems like an every-week starter right now. A.J. Green will have good games. He'll have bad games. I am not suggesting you start A.J. Green next week. Uh, I think if he's a flex play for you, fine. I still think I would rather own Christian Kirk than A.J. Green and Christian Kirk more than any of these other guys. On the flip side... Uh, LaVisca Chenault continues to do LaVisca Chenault things and not do anything. James Robinson took back over the featured workhorse role. He's a sell-high candidate for me just because this Jacksonville offense is terrible. They can't get anything going. Um, James Robinson did look great, though. It's nice to see him put up 130 yards from scrimmage, uh, really take over the role there. Six targets, six catches, 46 yards. Uh, DJ Chark 
scores, gets in the end zone, but Marvin Jones continues to see the most targets here and is the wide receiver that you can trust in your lineup week in and week out. He's like the go-to guy for Trevor Lawrence at this point for whatever that's fucking worth. What else we got? Jets, Broncos, uh, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams continue to share carries. Javante Williams is getting a lot of work in garbage time, even though he looks good in the passing game. I'm telling you, these weeks are going to continue to go by where they are in committees. And then we're going to see Javante Williams eventually take over over the second half of the year. So each week that goes by, a little bit riskier that you risk it. But you don't get the fucking biscuit at the end of the year. Javante Williams will be the RB1 here eventually. Uh, each week that passes by, you're closer to that happening, but you're also risking it happening that week that you don't try to trade for him. So, Javante Williams doing his thing. Like I said, Tim Patrick continues to ball. Disappointing week from Cortland Sutton, unfortunately, but KJ Hamler hurt. Jerry Judy still hurt. Um, expect better days from Sutton ahead. This Jets offense is just miserable. Just miserable. Can't start anybody. Can't Literally can't start a single player in this offense. Dolphins, Raiders, Buccaneers, Rams. Wow, there are a lot of fucking games still. Woo! Okay. Don't worry, y'all. We're getting through it. Dolphins and Raiders. What a good performance by Jacoby, man. Good performance by Jacoby, by Jacoby Brissett. Mike Kosicki balls out. Jalen Waddle gets 13 fucking targets. Somehow turns it into 58 yards. I think you could start Jalen Waddle as a flex play. Uh, Miles Gaskin is a very uninspiring flex play. Don't worry, I didn't forget all y'all that absolutely ruined me for saying that Miles Gaskin was a bad pick. I never forget. Never, ever, ever forget the bullshit that y'all leave in the in the YouTube comments. Um, What do we take away from here? Gesicki, he's just as likely to go fucking one for 8.6 as he is to go 10 for 86. So, yes. We're all going to get high again on the one game that he had. Still not really a trustworthy tight end start in fantasy. You know, he could be like the tight end 10 to 12, which I guess technically is startable, but I'm not excited about the performance that he put up. Will Fuller first game bike. Maybe should have stayed off the field for this one guy. Derek Carr, another 386 yards, two touchdowns, another good performance out of him. Peyton Barber was the storyline here, bro. Peyton fucking Barber, 23 carry. He transformed back to... I mean, not Peyton Barber, it's some, some other Barber, Marion Barber, Tiki Barber, Peyton Hill, any other fucking running back besides Peyton Barber is what we saw out of Peyton Barber. Um, John Gruden just loves, he licks his fucking lips when he can find the guy who just averages 3.3 yards per carry, who runs a fucking 4-7 that just, but, but falls forward. If you fall forward, bro, he loves daylight savings. As long as you fall forward, John Gruden's in that fucking ass like a wedgie. Um. Josh Jacobs might be back next week. Kenyon Drake, top 15 paid running back right now. I just I just don't like this front office. I, I don't know if they've made a good move since they've come in. I don't know if they've made a single good move since they've come in. It's actually it's unbelievable. Wide receivers here are getting kind of exciting, though. Brian Edwards starting to make big plays. Uh, Henry Ruggs getting a lot more useful targets, getting downfield targets. They're using them all over the place. He's looking a lot better. I think Henry Ruggs is definitely pickupable. He is waverable. He is rosterable in fantasy football. Do I have confidence in starting any of these guys? Not really. I think Henry Ruggs has some a little sexy flexy action here. Who do the Raiders get over the next few weeks? Let's check it. Let's check it to full gal. They get the Chargers. They get the Bears. They get the Broncos. All right. So they've got some tough matchups coming up. Um, can you start Henry Ruggs? Probably not. Realistically, it's Darren Waller and then. 
maybe Peyton Barber if Josh Jacobs is out. We could we could throw him into a flex. I think maybe you could flex Henry Ruggs, but don't be fucking disappointed when Henry Ruggs does Henry Ruggs things. Bucks Rams. Uh, Tom Brady just proving why mobile quarterbacks are the GOAT. This guy throws for one passing touchdown and still finishes at the number two fantasy quarterback on the on the week. Clearly, as you can see from the box score, none of these running backs are startable. Ronald Jones, again, is not rosterable. I've been telling you all that. Gio Bernard might have got hurt, though. So Leonard Fournette might might be playable next week, but I'm not going to bank on it. Um, AB was out for this one. Rob Gronkowski fucked his ribs up, came bike in. We'll see what the adrenaline did to uh, keep him in that game. But, uh, you know, same old, same old. You're starting Brady. You're starting Evans. You're starting Godwin. You're starting Gronk if he's on the uh, if he's on the field. From the Rams side of things, uh, Sonny Michelle, despite 3.4 yards per carry, filled in really, really nicely for Darrell Henderson. If Darrell Henderson misses another game, I'm really confident in starting Sonny Michelle. They play the Seahawks, and that is a team that you can run on. That is a team that you could start a running back against. He saw four targets, 20 carries, so 24 opportunities overall. Obviously, didn't do much of them. Didn't score a touchdown, nothing like that. Um, but the opportunities are really, really nice there for Michelle and this passing offense. Once again, Cooper Cup just balls the fuck out. And are you worried about Robert Woods? Absolutely. Um, I mean, how can you not be? It's, we're three games into it, and Cooper Cup is just absolutely Moby Dicking this man. Cooper Cup. Another game of nine for 96, two touchdowns. He's looking like he might be the best pick of all fantasy drafts right now. I don't see this slowing down anytime soon. This offense is just humming. Sean McVay knows what the fuck he's doing. And now that he has Stafford throwing the ball, I, I just I don't see how teams can stop an opposing slot wide receiver if if uh if they're running in this McVay offense. So Deshaun Jackson uh becomes intriguing because he's playing over Van Jefferson now a little bit. And we just saw how beautifully put together those deep plays were obviously can't expect that week in a week out. Um, but I think Cooper cup is absolutely startable. Robert Woods is like a pretty shitty flex play at this point. Tyler Higby should be picked back up. He shouldn't have been dropped last week because he's still running hundred percent of the routes at the tight end position for the Rams five for 40 and a touchdown. Good to see. Uh, this is obviously a Buccaneers defense that you want to throw the ball against, not run the ball against uh, the Rams play. The Cardinals next week. Good Lord. Good Lord, Cooper Cup might go for 150 and three. Uh, this could be a bounce back game for Robert Woods for sure. This could be a nice game where you could start him in the flex. You want to play tight. You want to play all the pass catching options against the Cardinals in this one. Seahawks, another good one. Giants, another good one. Lions, another good one. Texans, another good one. Titans, another good one. Good fucking God. 49ers, a good one. You're going to be able to start this Rams passing offense like for the rest of the year. I don't see like a tough matchup against the passing offense for the entirety of the rest of the year. Holy shit. Holy shit. Good for you, Cooper Cup owners. We have the Seahawks and the Vikings. Alexander Madison. This is this is what I'm talking about. Like, like not even Dalvin Cook gets this involved in the game. And then all of a sudden, Alexander Madison gets eight targets. Like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. All right. If Dalvin Cook misses more times, I think Tyler Conklin actually is a very interesting tight end play. The more this is such a t uh, funnel tight end, there's such a funnel offense in Minnesota that as soon as one injured player goes down, like somebody gets a massive opportunity spike, and it looks like with Cook down, uh, Tyler Conklin, Alexander Madison took that over. On the flip side of the ball, 
you know, normal people doing normal things out here. Chris Carson eating, DK Metcalf eating, Tyler Lockett just had his down game. We're just going to see that. We're going to see flip-flops between Lockett and Metcalf. You start both of them week in and week out. <clears throat> Packers 49ers started off with story time, and we're going to end on this game, of course. Sunday Night Football. Aaron Jones looking like a beast. Aaron Rodgers looking fucking unbelievable as ever. Last night in that final drive, just just a thing of fucking beauty there. Just a thing of beauty. Devontae Adams absolutely concussed, absolutely brain damaged, straight to his fucking not to his to his noggin last night on that last play. Somehow got back in there, caught the two balls down the stretch while concussed. Just unbelievable gutsy performance out of him. Nothing more to really talk about on that side. Uh, Robert Tunyon just 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 not getting it done. Just not getting it done. Everything is just going to Devontae Adams. So, Robert Tunyon, I will hold on to Robert Tunyon for one more week, but as is every tight end from tight end like 7 through 12, they all just fucking stink. Um, they get the Steelers next week. They get the Bengals and then the Bears. So, I don't know, man. Do whatever you want with Robert Tunyon, but it's not looking pretty out there. On the 49ers side of things, we have a few things to talk about here. First off, Trey Sermon. 10 carries, 31 yards, luckily got into the end zone, had three targets, did absolutely nothing with them, turned him into two catches for three yards. I expect Elijah Mitchell to be back next week. I have no idea why I expect that, but I just kind of expect expect that because I felt like there was a lot of optimism around him after the injury. Like he went back in the game, and then they said it was just a stinger. He ended up missing this week. But I think he'll be back next week if he's not. Here's what I saw. Uh, Trey Sermon did not look great. Trey Sermon did not look trusted by the 49ers coaching staff. It was the reason why Kyle Juszczyk was in there for so many snaps. Kyle Juszczyk had five carries. Kyle Juszczyk had four targets and did a lot with them, including that beautiful fucking walk-off touchdown, baby. Let's go. Uh, so Trey Sermon, if Elijah Mitchell misses next week again and Trey Sermon is the starting running back once again, we're going to continue to see Kyle Juszczyk eat into his snaps. He could be a flex play because he'll get the goal line carries. He could bust a, a nice run. Uh, he could actually catch some of his targets if he decided to fuck around and be a nice person for once in a while. Uh, so Trey Sermon is a low-end RB2, a flex play going forward if Mitchell misses time. If Mitchell is back next week, I would assume this is going to be some side of some sort of committee between Mitchell, Sermon, and Juszczyk, but I'd want to start Mitchell out of everybody. Really good to see Brandon Ayuk back in there, baby. He was a full-time player yesterday. Six targets, four catches, 37 yards, including the touchdown. Uh, so that was nice to, to see. I think you might be able to dial up uh, Ayuk as a flex play. I'm obviously not as confident as I was with him going into the year. So super fucking high on him. But at least we're starting to see him. Uh, Trent Sherfield just zero targets, so he's phased out of that offense. Um, yeah, Brandon uh, Ayuk, six targets. Beautiful. Debo, another 10 targets, just continues to eat in this offense. Uh, George Kittle, nice little bounce bike game there. Nine for seven, 92 yards. Would like to see him get into the end zone, but Jimmy G is like bare, uh, borderline incapable of um, making things happen in this fucking offense. Hopefully we see Trey Lance sooner rather than later, man. What I think this loss means, I think this loss might mean that we're closer. Here's, here's what could happen here, man. The 49ers passing defense is terrible. The Seahawks might eat it up. The Cardinals might eat it up. You might see Trey Lance get into this lineup sooner rather than later. I think this was a very slippery slope here for Jimmy G. I think um, Jimmy G just cannot get things going on this offense. It's like it's like just just fucking long nails on a chalkboard watching them trying to do anything in this offense, man. So that loss might just be putting them down a slippery slope. If they 
rattle off a couple interdivision L's. Dude, I'm going to kill. I'm not going to say that. Um, if they if they go and lose back to back divisional games here in Seattle and Arizona, it could be Trey Lance time. It could just be Trey Lance time. So start scooping Trey Lance in your leagues, baby, because that shit is coming. We are coming for you. All right, that's the recap um, for Week Three of NFL Foosball. How we doing in the chat? How we doing in the chitty chatty? In the titty tatty chatty chitty. She chop, beep bop, beep boop bop. Um, I hope someone ripped off some timestamps. That would be greatly appreciated. You can throw them into the comment section, please, so all these people can stop asking me questions like Tim Patrick thoughts. Because Ryan, I talked about Tim Patrick for like 10 minutes already. I'm sorry for anyone that's super chatted. Uh, obviously, I don't pay attention to the screen while I am doing this. Oh, yeah. DJ Moore breakout year for sure. Absolute wide receiver one there. Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall doing the absolute least right now. Well, DJ Moore. Now, DJ Moore, you're talking about Christian McCaffrey being hurt. DJ Moore get, might get 14 targets a game. All right, y'all. Uh, we will be we will be bike tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe because we got a couple YouTube shorts. Dropping tonight on the channel as well as on TikTok. Go follow us on TikTok at BDGE, two underscores. That's where you can find us on Twitter. That's where you can find us on Instagram as well. At BDGE, double underscores, where you find us on all the social medias, the brand. All right. Uh, otherwise, we'll be dropping some YouTube shorts tonight. Three players stocks up, three players stocks down. Tomorrow, we will uh, we'll be dropping our waiver wire videos bright and early. Uh, top five running backs to pick up, top five wide receivers to pick up, and then a couple more YouTube shorts later on that evening. Um, our waiver wire article fab guidance will be dropping on the website tomorrow, which you can find bdge.store forward slash community. Again, that's where you can get the weekly rankings. That's where you can get our waiver wire fab guidance article. That is where you can get access to our titty or committee worksheet every single week, as well as access to the Q and assault that we do on Saturday, private Q and assault just for the big dog members. All right, I'm out of here. Thank you all for, uh, hanging around. And I'll see you when I fucking see you. Which hopefully is never. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.